0: The show and the first 20 Thank minutes you. is going to have nothing to do with the games. So, all right, right, here we go. Welcome, people, to Take the Points College Football Podcast, week eight, I believe. I don't, I never know anymore. I am uh, just getting in from uh, Philadelphia, PA. So, if I have a weird accent, you'll, you'll all know why. If I start saying the word use or talking about the Skogie River, then you'll know what's up. If I ask, take a sip of water. You'll know why as an intro, I was thinking of a clever intro, but I don't have one. Um, My favorite part of this show is, is I love doing the lines. I love talking about last week. I love our wacky segments that we do each week, but my favorite part by far of the take the points college football podcast is talking about bad coaches or coaching turmoil. Nothing beats it in my mind. And we have folks one of the greatest weeks ever, for coaching, uh, coaching strife, shall we say. We happen to be sitting here with the bad coaching expert, Ryan Spillett, live from Phoenix, Arizona. Ryan, you're starting the show. You're coming in hot. Ed Orgeron, Brett Bielema, Nick Rolovich. Take us through what has been an incredible week of crazy coaching.
1: It's uh, It's a dream come true, Tom. It's we've always kind of joked about the tarmac report and how often these come true, but we can't even get through the season now. Like they're just dropping like flies and it's amazing. It's great uh, for me personally, because hopefully we're going to get some new coaches in some new blood, hopefully. And uh, also it just, allows us to do even more with the tarmac report. So So so, I'm excited about that. So
0: where do you want to start with these guys?
1: Well, Coach O, we knew this was coming. Uh, He knew it was coming. Listened to a podcast with um, uh, Bruce Feldman, college football guy, and he was saying that he talked to Coach O before the Florida game. and was like, hey, if you win this game, do you think that, you know, that can save you? And he's like, no, I haven't, I think this is a done deal. And then they beat Florida and he goes and, and like talks to him after the game. He's like, you just beat ranked Florida like with half a team for the second year in a row. You think like this saves your job? And he's like, no. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. This is over. So if the reports are true about Coach O hitting on, Pregnant administrators' wives
0: at the gas and, station. Don't leave that. Yeah,
1: of. and then amongst other things, too. Apparently, he was bringing these these skanks to like the office.
0: There have been like there been a lot of off the field issues, shall we say?
1: Yeah, like apparently these random women that he's been hooking up with. Which, by the way, he's sixty, and like these random women he's hooking up with. Apparently, he wants like people to like know that he's hooking up with like forty year olds. So he brings him to the office, and they like they're like hanging around. So like, yeah, he's he's checked out.
0: He has very um, very strong like recently divorced dad energy.
1: Yeah, he's gonna get seventeen million dollar buyout. Like, we're gonna see Coach O partying in Vegas real soon. Can't wait. Age, uh,
0: age is just a number. Go Tigers.
1: Go Tigers. Go Tigers. But the more fun thing that I actually talk about, which I was thinking a lot about, was was Rolovich. And I was trying to think of, like, what kind of analogy we can use here, and it it hit me. Rolovich is not on the tarmac report necessarily. He instead decided to channel the most infamous person from the Pacific Northwest, and he pulled a D.B. Cooper (laughs) and just jumped out of the plane himself they were prepared to let him stay on the plane and he was like nah screw that son i got a bag of cash i'm out and he just he just jumped off the plane so congratulations rolovich you're now suing the school and the ad saying some pretty pretty uh scandalous things on the way out the door. So Dan, he is unemployable. He is suing everybody and he's running his mouth until this gets solved. He ain't getting a job. That's I heard, true.
0: I I, I want to get Dan's take on this, but I heard that um he got fired essentially and just walked out, like never said goodbye to the team or anything. Just like, out the yeah. door. So, Dan, that, you think, you think he'll get another job.
1: And four of his job. assistant coaches, real quick, four of his assistant coaches he convinced to go with him, like straight up Jerry Maguire style. Like, who's coming with me? And they're like, yeah. Well, coach. they
0: were also unvaxxed, right?
1: Yeah, because he was like, don't do it. And they're like, we won't. And then they're all gone.
0: So, I have a weird sense of admiration for him because there have been so many fake anti-vax guys, especially in the media. There's so many guys who um, are like, you know, medical freedom. You can't make us get this. And then you find out two days later, like they've gotten the vaccine and a booster shot seven months ago. As stupid as I think his principles are, he, he lives it. You know, he actually means it. He gave up a ton of money to do this, to stand by his principles. He's not just saying it. So in a weird way, You know, if you're going to go down this route, you know, I like guys who do it genuinely.
1: Yes, but his logic is completely flawed because he's saying it's for religious purposes because he's a devout Catholic. Meanwhile, the Pope is like, this vaccine is a gift from God. And taking the vaccine is showing love to your neighbor, which is the most important thing in our religion. And you should all get it. And he's like, nope, I'm super Catholic. I'm not going to take it. The Pope says to take it. Then you freaking take it.
0: Yeah, but you know, I mean,
1: people are lunatics about the Pope, but this is the one thing they don't want to listen to him about.
0: Well, they don't like the new Pope. I mean, this is getting off topic for football, but the Pope said something when we were growing up, his word is the voice of God and you do it. But then this new Pope comes in. He's like, we should be nice, slightly nicer to gay people. And they're like, we don't have to listen to the Pope. You know, it's just a suggestion. Dan, you believe that Nick Rolovich is going to have a job by Christmas. Me and Ryan think he's unemployable, at least for the near term. And I personally think he'll never see the likes of a program as good as Washington State again in his lifetime. So, what do you have to say about that?
2: Well, uh, this is kind of going to change because of that lawsuit. If it wasn't for the lawsuit, he'd be hired as soon as the season ends by a non Power Five school. But um, because of the lawsuit, it'd probably be one more year. And then he'll go to, like, you know, I don't know. Like, let me think here. Uh, Any team in, like, the Mountain West, they'll be, like, UNLV, like, in, like, two years after they've had enough of going, like, two and nine every year, they'll fire their coach. Or, like, Utah State. Like, there'll be something like that. But he'll be a head coach again, for sure, in a place that doesn't care about the vaccination. So it's just going to take some time. But the the lawsuit will um, definitely – be like a one-year probationary period. But you'll see Rolovich again.
0: Ryan, what's your take on his <laughs> employability in the future?
1: I, I just don't see it happening. I think that he's, uh, he's, you know, like you said, there's things about what he did that you can go, okay, that's, you know, it is what it is. It's who he is. But the the bad-mouthing the AD, And then having like multiple lawsuits, like, I don't know, man. Like again, the assistant coach thing too, like it's not just his life. You know, he got his head coach bag of cash. What were these assistant coaches making? Like Washington state's not paying Alabama USC assistant coach money. You know, like they're not paying Brent Venables $4 million as an assistant coach. So like, you know, who knows what's going on with these guys? Like, so I don't know, but I just, I think that there's just too much involved right now and I don't see it happening.
0: I kind of feel in the middle. I think, um, you know, in a, in a couple years, he'll end up at some kind of non power five school. And yeah. A couple he'll, of years. He'll probably be around, but, but he, I don't think he gets anywhere close to Washington state again. And, um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not impressed. COVID aside, I never thought he was that impressive. He had one pretty good season at Hawaii. I I know that was a, you guys commend him for that, but like he didn't do anything special at Washington state. Most of his run at Hawaii, they were above average, but not amazing. So I feel like he's, I feel like he's pulling like a big time move. Like he's thinking he's Nick Saban or something and he's overestimating his own coaching value. You know what I mean? Maybe he just doesn't care.
1: Fair. That's fair. I'll tell you what though, Tom, there's some there's some guys that are going to be competing with him, getting their resumes ready. And I just kind of want to jump right into this. We're right on the topic. Let's do it. Let's let's go right into the tarmac report since, you know, Orgeron he said he's going to take at least a year off, but he's probably going to just retire. Uh, and Rolovich, he's an exile for now. So we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see. But there's some other guys out there, Tom, that deserve to get fired, not for off the field, not for vaccine reasons, but purely because they are awful football coaches and they need to get let go.
0: We don't need, yeah, we don't need covid as an excuse to get some of these horrible coaches out of there. Plenty of these guys do it all on their own.
1: That's right. And we're going to start down in the South at Southern Mississippi. Will Hall, like you have so much talent in that state. There's so much talent in that area. Southern Miss actually has like a legitimate, proud history of like making bowl games on a consistent basis. Like, And they're just awful. Like he's not good and he's got to go like Southern miss. There's just way too much potential down there. And he's just ruining it. Those, those guys do not play hard. They do not play smart. All right. Next on the list, we're going over to West Virginia. Neil Brown. You're just not getting it done, man. Like, you were pretty solid at Troy. You did a good job. You built that program up. You beat a couple of power five schools, but then you took the bag. You went to West of Morgantown, West Virginia, and you're just not built for that, that program. Like he might be a good coach, but not there, not at West Virginia. He's just not getting the job done. They're just completely like up and down. You never know what what West Virginia team's gonna show up. They don't have any identity so like I just don't know what he's building there. I'm not sure. Okay. moving on. We're gonna double up here. we're, gonna, we're just gonna jump on both of these guys at once. If your name is Butch, you're a shit coach. So Butch Jones? And Butch Davis, I'm watching one of you right now on TV, and even though you're winning, it's a joke of a lead. Your team's actually not good. Arkansas State, Florida International, again, areas, programs that have gone to bowl games in the recent past, expect to be, you know, relatively good, 500 or a little bit above at least. And they're just, just bad. I mean, one in five, Arkansas State. <laughs> what the hell am I supposed to do without the GoDaddy Bowl on January 6th in Arkansas State? Like, just terrible. And, and Florida International, too. Like, they've been good Le- recently. Did T.Y. Hilton. You know, like, he went to the league. They were solid. And they're just awful. Like, one in five, just terrible. And you're in Florida. There's enough talent to go around. You're just not doing it, your job. Just old and, and out of touch. You got to go. Okay. Next on the list. <sighs> I'm going to, I'm going to put these two together because they're just both They're in the same division conference. They both suck. We've talked about them enough. By frost. You're both clowns. You're both going to just, you're done. Like get a realtor. Make sure their commission is low. Don't get an expensive realtor because you might not be able to afford it. And, you know, just start shopping around for coordinator positions. Get that playbook tuned up, Scott Frost. You're the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban in two years. Enjoy. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. I would say Wisconsin's
0: offense hasn't been great. Maybe they'll have an offensive coordinator position. Available that Bilama Bi- can yeah. take.
1: Bilama can just waddle back over to Madison. he will love it there. It They'll could just be, like
0: Wisconsin could be like a greatest hits album. They'll have like Barry Alvarez at the AD. Bilama could be the coordinator. Paul Crist could be there. Jim Leonard's coaching D.
1: Is, I want Jim Leonard to be the head coach. Could oh, G- yeah. Jim Leonard yeah. please be the head coach at Wisconsin? Can we just get this over with? Like that guy's awesome. Is Paul Christ
0: uh, This is an aside from the tarmac, but Paul Christ, is he good, bad, okay? I feel like he's okay, but not to the level they need there.
1: No, I mean he's a figurehead. They're their team built on on defense and running the ball, and like they're just going to get guys that can that can run the ball. and Leonard has a great D. Like he does all the coaching, so. I don't know. I don't know what Chris does because if he doesn't run the D, he sure as hell shouldn't. Hopefully, he's not running that O. And if he is, he's got to go. Just let Leonard run the team and and bring in a young coordinator who can modernize Wisconsin. You can still run the ball, but there's other ways to run the ball. So, both programs, they got to get changes. Next on the list, we're going down tobacco road. I know you're a basketball school Duke. I know you coach Cutcliffe is respected by the Manning family, but my goodness, Duke football is atrocious this year. They're so bad. Just getting run out of the building by like Virginia, like just not good, man. Like I like the guy, but I think it's time for him to move on. Like, Enjoy your celebrity and write a book with the Mannings or make a a video, quarterback videos, and you can just retire off that money. Like, get all the Manning brothers to just like help you make a video on quarterbacking, like an instructional tape, and you'll make tons.
0: Like, David Cliff and Tom Amansky team up?
1: Yes. Cut Cliff can be the new Amansky. All right. Number one on the list, yet again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If they're not going to fix it, just keep harping on it. He's getting fired. Sorry. Go ahead. Down to South Beach. Everyone knows what it is. Manny Diaz, you have got to stop ruining this program. Just ruining it. It's so brutal to see he's so bad. Like he's just, he's got to go. So I know it's a long tarmac. That's eight coaches, but some things needed to be said.
0: Can I say, speaking of Miami football, uh, not, not a banner week for Miami. We can say that every week this year, but um, I'm thinking about the Washington football team. You know, they were caught up in that John Gruden scandal and to deflect attention. They had the genius idea of, retiring Sean Taylor's number, which is a good idea in theory, but not when you plan it like four days ahead, the family didn't hear about it until like a a few days before they were going to do it. And then they did it in front of a row of porta potties. And uh, the owner of the Redskins, the owner of the Washington football team showed up in a hoodie to greet the family so not their best move uh, especially oh, if you're trying worse.
1: To, I mean there's even okay. more go for it they did like a pre-game thing no one spoke they just did like they walked on the field made like an announcement and that was it and then the place in the field where they painted like the number on the field that was roped off for vip's which included the mahomes family And Patrick Mahomes' little brother was on TikTok doing like TikTok dance videos on Sean Taylor's number on the field, like on the sideline. He had to like come out and apologize and be like, I didn't realize what I was doing, like where I was.
2: He's an idiot.
1: Yeah. Like this is like the third time, by the way, in like through five weeks of the NFL season that he's had to like apologize for doing something dumb. So, yeah, that was like they just – Sean Taylor is a personal favorite of all of ours. Yeah, And that was just uh, did not do him service at all.
0: I mean, we say that, oh, one Miami team is um, conservatively among the best three teams of all time, maybe the best of all time. And um, yeah, to honor him in that way, we don't, we don't love it, but especially with all that's going on with Washington, all that's going on with Miami University of Miami, like Bad timing on on that and seeing it just reminded me, though, of in a weird way, even though it was a joke, just seeing it was like, oh, yeah, remember how goddamn good Miami used to be?
1: Oh, yeah, I got in a little bit of a YouTube rabbit hole, not going to lie, watching some highlights. It's, it's pretty good.
0: All right. I feel like we've, uh, we're halfway into the show and we've, we've covered all the good stuff. We probably should get to some lines. But, uh, Dan, is there anything you want to talk about from last week or anything football-related you want to discuss before we break down the lines or shall we get right into it?
2: Um, I think we can go ahead and get into it. I don't really remember last week. Uh, Clemson looked terrible but found a way to beat Syracuse. Georgia – is just ridiculous. Kentucky played well, by the way. Uh, Kentucky actually played well in defense. They they called a good game. Uh, they're just uh, – Georgia's ridiculous. And I would like to talk about Purdue. As mentioned at the last second on Take the Points last week, Purdue's good for one upset every other year. They have the most wins of any program as an unranked team over the top five by a large margin. Hammered Iowa 24-7. to in Iowa's own house. Game was never really that close. Um, Hats off to them. And uh, yeah, interesting to see how the rest of the year plays out now. But yeah, yeah, I think we can get into some lines if you guys are ready.
0: I I got a couple things. Actually, you, you reminded me. Yeah. uh, Purdue was great. And David Bell is really establishing himself as a a superstar future. High draft pick Um, Clemson. That reminded me, you know, last week or two weeks ago, we asked like, why don't they pull DJ and give someone else a a shot? Well, we cracked, I cracked the code with some Googling, which is that their only other real prospect who has any kind of like time with the team, uh, got an Achilles injury. So he's not available. And the, now the, the third stringer now backup is a walk-on who presumably, you know, doesn't have anywhere near the talent level of DJ. And then they have a couple freshmen who haven't really played much. And then they had a highly touted freshman. I think he was a four star who left to um, go play for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So he would have been there this year, but he, you know, he left before the season to go play baseball. So it really is a unique scenario. And although it doesn't bode well, it does make me think that this is just probably a weird anomaly year for Clemson, and they'll be a lot better next year and in the future. Um, so I, I guess we'll see. The other thing I want to say is uh, Caleb Williams is amazing, and uh, until 7:59 yeah. p.m. on Saturday last week, I thought that Georgia was the clear front runner and really the only great team and the the clear national championship favorite. And as of, you know, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, I now think there may be another contender. It's a small sample size. I want to see how he plays in the coming weeks, especially when he has to go on the road in front of a tough crowd. But he looked absolutely electric. And with him at QB, the whole team played harder. Ryan, you talked about how the team loves him. You could see it. Like, you could see the difference, not just with him, with the O-line. He had all day to throw in a way that Rattler didn't. Um he's brought out the best in that team in a short time. And so again, we'll see how it goes. But if they play like that every week, we got a you know, we got a new contender who could take on Georgia, in my opinion. So looking forward to the Georgia, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, and uh shit, who was the fourth team?
2: Ohio State or Alabama.
0: Nah, those are no fun. There's got to be like uh, there's got to be some like undefeated
2: NC State or uh, Wake Forest. Oh, yeah. Wake Wake Forest. Forest, That's the one. Yeah.
0: Wake Forest, Cincy, Georgia, Oklahoma. And that would be awesome if Cincy and Wake Forest won and met in the final. That's what I'm pulling for. Perfect. All right, Danny. Let's do some lines.
2: All right. We're going to keep this short and sweet this week. Not a great week. We're only going to talk about nine games tonight and try to hammer this through. Only the biggest of big games get talked about this week. 9 a.m. Saturday, Illinois against Penn State. Big game. Sean Clifford, a.k.a. Trace McSorley, returned to practice this week and uh, is questionable to play. Uh, Tom, Penn State minus 23, over under 45 and a half.
0: Thoughts? So, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I've been out of town for the last... uh, 24 to 30 hours. So I have no idea what the status of Sean Clifford is in the last, let's say two days. I don't think he's going to play. I think you're going to get a rotation of Ta- Taekwon Robinson, Roberson and uh, Christian value, the freshman Canadian uh, guy who didn't play last year because the season was canceled. So we'll see what happens. Personally, I'm rooting for uh, Velu to get some more time because I've never seen a worse performance than Roberson against Iowa. Um, I <laughs> granted, you know, he didn't have a lot of preparation and some of that's on the coaching staff, but it really truly was the least faith instilling performance I've ever seen. Like I watched that and I'm like, well, he can never play again. So, um, I don't think, I don't, th- there's a chance Penn State might not score enough points to cover the spread, period, and might win this game like 19 to 8. Um, I think, you know, their running game is good enough against a team like Illinois. They can't run against Iowa, they can't run against Ohio State, but they can run the ball well enough against Illinois to win this game. But unless Clifford makes a miraculous comeback, I I'll be shocked if they win this game by more than 12 points.
2: Yeah, Tom. Um, I, I agree with you. Um, I'm going to wait until right I kickoff and get an update on Clifford. If I know he's out, I'm going to bet the under. I don't care if it's 37 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't see Illinois scoring any points on Penn State, and I don't see Penn State scoring more than 24 points, and that includes like a defensive touchdown and a blocked punt, or you know, something like that. But um, extremely boring game. Not good. Anything you want to ask me about Illinois?
0: There is something I want to ask you about Illinois. You know, we already touched on Brett Bielema, but you know, just a taste about Bielema was not enough for us, Dan. And so it's time to bring back our beloved new segment, coaching restaurant coaches, restaurant. This is where we take a coach who potentially will be out of a job at some point in the near future and unemployable to football And if they can't coach in football, there are very few jobs that a college football coach can fall back on. However, one thing we think that they'd be good at is restaurant manager. So what we do is we take a coach each week and we just decide if they were forced to manage a restaurant, what restaurant would be the best fit? So Dan, your question today is what restaurant is Brett Bielema capable of managing?
2: Thanks, Tom. Uh, I actually had a little bit of a hard time with this one, but thanks to, uh, Ryan, he, um, gave me a great recommendation. I'm going to run with it. That'd be a uh, golden corral, Tom. Um, golden corral like bread is completely full of a lot of shit. All right. Um, you know, basically golden Corral's got a bunch of mediocre stuff laying around according to head coach of Illinois. He's got a lot of mediocre shit laying around in his uh, locker room as well. Um, Golden Crow has no idea how to execute in the kitchen. He doesn't know how to execute on the football field. It's a it's a match made in heaven, right? People go to Illinois games. They don't really care about what's going on there. They're there for just to go out for the experience. Much like people go to Golden Crow. They're not going there to enjoy the fine food. They're just going there for the experience and to see like some crazy guy wearing like some kind of crazy outfit and someone screaming across the dining room and a young kid throwing a, a piece of fucking, you know, chicken across the room at somebody else or something, you know, it's basically just a total shit show. Golden Corral is a shit show. Illinois football is a shit show. It's a match made in heaven. So, um, Brett Bilema, Golden Corral sounds good to me.
0: For, for someone who didn't know what they were going to say going into that, I think that's pretty good. One of my favorites I had two, two comments, which one would be, um, Illinois football is like a golden corral because it's one of the few places you can go stay for four hours and feel worthless afterwards. Yep. Accurate. And, uh, my other comment is you can't blame him because the, uh, old country buffet that had the space before is responsible <laughs> for all the <laughs> shitty food in the kitchen.
2: It's true. It's not his fault that he inherited the Golden Crown menu. If he had his menu items on there, it'd be a different story. But no, yeah. And just to be serious, that was such a horseshit press conference by him this week. Like, even if that's true, which a lot of times it is, you know. I mean, you're a new coach. You come in. Those aren't your players. You don't say that shit. I mean, these are 18 to 22 year old kids, and you're like, oh, when I was in Wisconsin, I had real linemen, but I don't have you know anyone good here. It's like these are division one athletes. Like I know Illinois sucks, but if they played against like some random college you never heard of, they would beat them 68, nothing. You know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. still some talent there and it's up to coaches to maximize that talent. That's why a lot of, uh, of, of the best coaches are able to maximize, you know, three-star guys and turn in them into five. We, we talked about you know, Chris Peterson of Boise state, right? Yeah, He, he got a bunch of, Guys, similar to Illinois talent, but would go twelve and one. But this asshole goes two and nine and blames everyone else.
0: Purdue just beat. <laughs> Thank you. Iowa. Purdue is in. You know they're in Indiana. Illinois can recruit from Chicago. I mean that doesn't really answer the question of what Lovey Smith did, but but yeah, they could be <laughs> okay. good theoretically.
1: Also, Bilem is. That's his specialty is the offensive line. Like, isn't that what he does? Like, that's what he's known for as being an offensive line guy. Like, if you can't coach up the group that you're supposed to be, like, a specialist for, like, then what the hell good are you? Like, you know, it would make sense if, uh, you know, Syracuse had a terrible defense for a few years because Dino's a quarterback guy. He didn't give a shit about defense. And Syracuse was, you know, just trying to outrun everybody but they've, you know, they've obviously changed since, but, uh, you know, if that's your specialty is O-line and then you're going to complain about the O-line, like you're just basically saying like, I can't teach.
0: Yeah. It reminded me of the, um, like the hot dog meme. We're all trying to find the guy who did this. Um, Dan, before we move on, we don't have to pick the game, but, uh, tomorrow night, UConn hosts middle Tennessee state at Renchler field. The Husks got a big win against Yale, despite being a three-and-a-half-point underdog last week. What do you have to say about your Huskies? Huge win
2: over the losers from New Haven. Uh, way to establish that they are the top program in Connecticut. Um, hats off don't to the Huskies. Don't
0: rule out Central yet.
2: Look, I'm confident UConn is, is the number one premier program in the state of Connecticut now, so I can, I can uh, sleep easy. Nice job by UConn.
0: All right. Next line.
2: Next line. This is, uh, I believe, a, you can call it a tarmac game. I think loser of this game gets fired sooner than later. Syracuse at Virginia Tech. Syracuse 3-4, and four, Virginia Tech 3-3. Three and three. Um, Dino has been there, I don't know, four years or something now, five years. I was looking four, Not that many. Yeah, and it it, it, it it really hasn't gone as well as people think. Uh I mean not that you know whatever. Um and same thing with uh, the Um Justin Fuente, not good. Uh Pitt went in there last week and fucking stomped him 28 to 7. Syracuse uh lost a close game to Clemson last week. Batec minus three, 45 and a half.
1: Ryan, what you got? <coughs> I, I think this is exactly right. I think this line is exactly right. I think it's a coin flip field goal game, and I think it's going to be super low scoring. So I maybe I would even maybe lean towards an under, but no, I don't even feel good about that. This is a total stay away for me. I think you're right.
0: Syracuse has lost the last three games by three points. So – that would track that they'll lose this one by
1: three also, right? Pretty good.
2: Um, I have no idea who wins this game. Uh, It's going to be sloppy at best. All right, we're going out west. Oregon at UCLA. UCLA minus one, total 60 and a half. This is a weird game. Um, Someone has to win and someone has to lose. You know, Oregon hasn't looked good. They needed a goal line stand against one and five Cal last week to win. Um, Oregon, I can't believe that they beat Ohio State at Ohio State. You know, we it, they have not looked good outside of that game the entire year. They've struggled against everybody. Um, now they have some injuries. Um, UCLA, again, they have a win against LSU. They seemed okay in some other games, but somehow they have two losses on the year. I have no clue how this game is going to play out. This game is straight gambling. You can go ahead and pick a side in the total. Roll the dice. Anyone have any pick at all in on this one?
1: No, right. I mean, I think I think Oregon's biggest weakness is their run defense, actually. They, they rush the passer great. They get after it. They take chances in the secondary. They're not great at stopping the run. And Charbonnet is ridiculous, man. Like, he's just grinding teams down. And, and by the fourth quarter, he's just just gashing teams. So I'm actually leaning UCLA because I think that they can uh, control the clock and run the ball. Okay.
2: That's a solid pick right there. All right. We're going to go back. We're going to go back to the SEC here. LSU at Ole Miss. Ole Miss minus nine, total 76 and a half. Lane Kiffin saying some nonsense this week. The is injured and may not play. I don't buy that for a second. LSU's running game has been non-existent the entire year, and the running back goes off for 250 last week against Florida. These games have been high scoring the past three years.
1: Ryan, start this one off. You just set it up, Dan. 76 and a half is not enough. These teams are getting into the 40s, if not 50s. And uh, so for me, this is complete over bet. I don't feel good laying nine. I think that's probably a little bit high. So I'm going to stay away from that, but I have loved that over.
2: All right. Z, you got anything on that one?
1: Not really.
0: I think I feel like LSU is going to play better with Orger on-, on his way out. You know, I, I feel like that's going to give him a little bit of a spark. So I'd be worried about laying uh, points against them, especially nine. I, the over-under is too high for me, personally. But, right. You know, what are you going to do? It would be very
2: fitting of LSU to get absolutely smashed on the road here after beating Florida. That's one thing. I'd be wary taking the nine points. LSU might not show up at all. Or they might show up extra hard. But uh, I think Ryan's on the right track here. I think last week against Tennessee, obviously it was a weird, uh, weird beginning of the game, and it held back the over. But. Uh, I like the over. Now, this is a great game. Next one. Clemson at Pitt. Oh, here we go. This is this is the game of the week in my mind. Pitt minus three and a half, total 48. Tom, you've, you've you've said this a couple times on the podcast this year. If this was um a random team from South Carolina not named Clemson playing Pitt, what would this line really be?
0: Well, I've got to say... They do have a good defense, but I've got to say it would be seven or eight points minimum.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it'd be eight and a half. Um, this game opened Clemson minus three. It quickly went all the way to Pitt minus three and a half and it's kind of hung there. Um, Kenny Pickett, 21 touchdowns, 69% completion percentage, fifth best Heisman odds, future quarterback of my Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going to uh, erase some um, frustration on Clemson in this game. I think Pitt wins this game. I think they win by 10 points or more. I love Pitt this week. This is the only problem, of course, is their coach. You can never really trust Narduzzi. Uh, it's been a while since we've mentioned him, which means he's probably due to fuck one up really bad. But um You know, From a Clemson perspective, to have to go at Syracuse last week on a Friday, and now they go back up to Pitt. That's two road games in a row to the Northeast in a row. I think they'll be kind of happy with one and one. I know that sounds crazy in college football, but for how bad this offense is, um, look, Clemson is not going to improve on offense. This is six games now, and they, they can't score more than 21 points against a real FBS team. Pitt's defense is actually good, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Pitt win maybe like 27 to 13. That's a rough guess in my mind. So load the clip on Pitt and have some fun. Okay, moving on, scrolling down the list. Not a lot of games this week. Let's see what else we can find. Here we go. Tennessee at Alabama. Alabama with a nice win last week against Mississippi State. Uh they took out their frustration. Tom, good call on that one.
0: It's it's Alabama, too easy. Yeah.
2: Well done. Uh Alabama minus 25, total 67. Uh Hendon Hooker is questionable. That means Joe Milton, who ran the worst Hail Mary of all time to end the old miss game last week. I think so. Uh will be <laughs> uh could possibly be in at quarterback like the Penn state game, I would recommend waiting to right before a kickoff for this one. If you get word that Joe Milton's starting, just take all the money you have, get cash advance on your credit card, you know, take your belongings and put them on Craigslist, whatever it takes. and just shove it all in on Alabama. They're in fuck you. Uh, or as I like to call it, Ohio state mode where you lose a game and then beat everyone else by 55. Um, Tennessee played a physical game. They had some off the field nonsense. Joe Milton can't throw a football. And if he's starting, Alabama wins this game 59 to six. If Hooker plays, who knows? Probably Alabama still covers. But if Milton plays, oh my God. Put it all on there. Tom, you got anything to add on that one?
0: Well, number one, Ohio State mode is definitely going into the permanent lexicon of take the points. <laughs> Number two, um, it just occurred to me that um, you picked Pitt in the previous game, but uh, I don't think you picked the over under. And I really want to go back and emphasize that you should take an under in all Clemson games going forward. Um, Probably right. Number three. Yeah, I I don't know. This line seems about right. I think Alabama beats them pretty easily. You know, if uh, Hendon Hooker is the QB, I actually think he's all right. And 25 seems about right. If Milton plays, then yeah, lay it.
2: Excellent. Ryan agrees. I can see.
0: I also like, it it might sound weird, but I think an under of 67, under 67 seems right. Because while Alabama will probably score like 49 on their own, I think Tennessee only gets to like 13.
2: Yep. All right, uh, next game is not one that will stand out to you, but I want to talk about it for a second. Western Kentucky at Florida International. We talked before the year about Western Kentucky transferring in the new coaches and quarterback and all that. Western Kentucky's quarterback uh, has 26 touchdowns already this year. They score a billion points. The first five games of the year for Western Kentucky all went over. Last week, they are on the road against Old Dominion. At the last second, Old Dominion went with a true freshman quarterback because they knew they were going to lose the game. The game went under last week, but only by about 10 points, uh, despite Old Dominion having zero offense. This week, Western Kentucky travels to Florida International, which is played in, I believe, Florida, where the weather's good. This total for this game is 77, and it's going way, way over. Let me break this one down to you real quick. Florida International can't play any defense whatsoever. They have the worst defense in the entire country. They've given up 45 to Charlotte, 58 to FAU, 31 to Central Michigan, 54 to Texas Tech. That's the past four weeks. At the same time, they've scored 21, 27, 21, and 33 in those games. This game is going over 90. You have the Dan P lock of the week here over Western Kentucky, Florida International. This might be like 35-24 at halftime. Like a good school, like old school uh, Oklahoma State-Texas Tech game from like 2009 or something like that. Uh, I can't stress how high scoring this game is going to be. Western Kentucky throws every play. They don't even run the ball at all. And FIU already plays in 80-point shootouts, but this is a whole other level. It's a 4 o'clock game, which means it's a night game on the East Coast. Unless there's a torrential downpour, 90 points minimum. This might be a hundred point football game. I just want to put that out there. I just had to mention that that's one of my favorite plays of the whole week.
0: Yeah. I love it. Good Uh, information.
2: Thank you very much. Um, Okay. Uh, Two more games to talk about. Speaking of Ohio state, Ohio state at Indiana, Ohio state minus 21 total 59 and a half Tom, take it away.
0: Uh, Mel Tucker, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are. Get your agent on the phone, make a call to Louisiana state, take as much money as you can get and take that job now because your Michigan state undefeated top 10 ranked team, barely beat Indiana, a team that's going to lose by 38 points to Ohio state this week. And then you're going to have to play Michigan, Penn state, Ohio state, not in that order, but You're going to play all those teams and you're going to lose to all those teams. Unless Penn state is playing Roberson. Um, and people are going to see that you're a above average Michigan state team and that maybe you're overvalued, but if you can get that job now, when you're a hot prospect, I say, take it, take the money and run in the words of Steve Miller, a song that you'll want to learn. If you become the coach of Louisiana state, Uh, Ohio state's going to dominate this game. Indiana has been awful all season. They hung with Michigan state, which is an indictment of Michigan state and not a credit to Indiana. And you know, it's just not their year. And Ohio state, as we said, is in absolute revenge mode. So wouldn't be surprised to see them get the land, not just get the over, but I'm going to say they land exactly on the 59 number 59 to 21.
2: I completely agree, Tom. This is the old Ohio State and overhook play that it's got it written all over it. Uh, Ohio State should be up 21 by halftime, and then they'll roll Indiana to impress pollsters. This shit's been going on for 15 years. This is this is Ohio State script to a T right here. Indiana was close last week against Michigan State. They gave a good effort, and this week they get fucking blown out. Another night game as well, national TV. Absolute blowout. Ryan, you got anything to add for this one?
1: No, Tom nailed it.
2: Sounds good. And uh, last game of the night to talk about USC at Notre Dame, 3 3 USC, total shit show at Notre Dame, who's not good, but still ranked 13th. Notre Dame minus 7, total 58. The only reason I mention this is because it's a yearly classic game and it's the night game on NBC. It's just kind of a tradition game, but like I said, it was a week, a week, week of college football. So, uh, Tom, you got any thoughts on this
0: one? I have a couple conflicting thoughts, which is that, um, what you said, you know, this is always a big game. It's always, it's a rivalry. It's always close regardless of where it's played and who's coaching and who's playing. And in that regard, I would take the seven points and just, you know, take the points and watch a little bit, but I just saw a video before we started recording of a USC player uh, complaining about how cold it was going up to play Notre Dame. Oh, it's so cold. I don't know how we're going to handle this. It's, I mean, I just got back from Pennsylvania and I know it's not the same, but it was almost 80 degrees today and it's pretty decent weather out in Chicago too. Like it's not cold by any stretch of the imagination. So if they're having trouble with that, Then if they go for a night game and it actually dips down low, then USC is going to really struggle. This could be a like Clemson at BC type of performance. So I'm wary. I I, I won't take USC because of that. I'm not going to take Notre Dame, but it's a stay away for me.
2: It's a terrible week of college football. Uh, Ryan, you got anything here?
1: No, not yeah. really. It's not not much. I'm surprised. There's nothing. There's nothing late. There's no like seven, seven o'clock Pacific starts, which we're, we're like there's no games after four thirty Pacific until the yeah. Y. Yeah,
2: it's a weird schedule this week. It doesn't make any sense at all. There's no uh, ten o'clock East Coast games. Ten thirty. Um, I think maybe because the Pac-12 started like a week early. This year this might be their like mid season week off. Like remember how last week a bunch of the Big Ten teams were off, like Penn State, Ohio State. Yeah, all the shit different. like that. I think that we're getting uh weird schedule, but um I would like to mention, uh, I just have to put this out there that Hawaii played Nevada last week and, and Hawaii scored no points in the second half, and that one to happen under Nick Rolovich. I'm just saying, but uh <laughs> it is a disgrace when Hawaii football unders are coming in. Um, but yeah, uh, they are playing New Mexico state. I believe for the second time they play them twice this year, which is the biggest schedule anomaly I've ever seen.
0: Is that right? right, Tom. I don't know. about
2: Hawaii. I swear to God, Hawaii is playing New Mexico state twice this year. Yeah. They've already beat them once 41, 21. And now this is the second time they're playing New Mexico state. So if you want to get bowl eligible, just play New Mexico state twice. And then don't tell anybody.
0: How, how did that happen?
2: I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. I don't. I don't get it. I don't know how this is legal. But watch why get uh bowl eligible just because of this. So why is he going to win this game? And go to four and four. But if you take away New Mexico State, they're really a two and four team. So unbelievable. One more so, anyway, game I want to
0: raise, Dan. And um, go ahead. I'm trying to find the line on it, but uh Cincy, Cincy at Navy, 28 point line, only 49 on the over under. Um, I don't know much about a Navy. I mean, do they have some great defense? It seems like Cincinnati is in Ohio no. State mode, also. So I'm tempted Memphis to take that over.
2: them last week. I watched that on TV.
0: Yeah. So so Navy blows. So I, I like an over in that game.
1: I I would have I would have put the Navy coach on the tarmac report, but I I kept them off out of respect for the service.
0: <laughs> That's nice. Very
2: good um yeah so that's pretty much this week in college football not great next week a much better schedule um that's all i got you guys got anything else to talk about
0: the only other thing i can think of is our uh, council of elders you know we did a council of elders for miami last week you know who are the five um city celebrities that we could gather together to help the team rebound. And uh, I want to get your take on whether there's a potential council of elders team we can help out. I know, you know, UT has been struggling a little bit. I feel like we could get a good council of elders for Austin, Texas. Do you guys want to take a crack at that? I mean, I think number one is pretty obvious. Obviously Matthew McConaughey is the leader of this group, but we need four other Austin, Texas celebrities who can be our council of elders to, to turn around the Texas program.
1: Oh, Oh, I got you, Tom. I got a list written down already.
0: All right. Do it.
1: M- McConaughey obviously at one two. Vince young. It's got to be Vince young. He's mandatory. Yes.
0: There's always gotta be one There's Well, at least based on the one time we've done this, you know, there's always one uh, former player representative and usually, you know, the rest of our local celebrities, but there are no rules. So hit me with number three,
1: number three. Well, we'll, after going with McConaughey, the stoner hippie and VY, drunk at Cheesecake Factory, we got to toughen up our elders. We got to get it tough. So we're going to go to the Texas rattlesnake himself. Stone cold Steve Austin.
0: Very nice.
1: He has to go on there, but then we want to mellow it down a little bit. We don't want to get too crazy. And McConaughey being the leader needs a a buddy to hang out with. So Willie Nelson, you put the elder in council of elders.
0: Beautiful. You're
1: in. And then the last one, I kind of struggled. I thought about it. I did a little research. And if we're going to be, you know, we need some smarts. We need some worldliness some leadership. I'm going to go with Dan rather. Oh, of, of Austin, Texas. He's from Austin. Uh, I'm going to put Dan rather as the fifth member of the council of elders. So we can get some real intellect on that group.
0: I didn't realize he was from Austin.
1: Wikipedia.
0: What's the frequency? I, so, so we got so to recap, McConaughey, VY, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Willie Nelson, and uh, why am I blanking on the one
1: we just said? Dan, Re- Dan, Dan Rather. Rather. I like he it got a lot. The, he got the spot that used to be Lance Armstrong's, but, you know, <laughs> he's disgraced.
0: Correct. Yeah. I'm surprised. I, I thought Joe Rogan was going to make the list. He's a transplant, of course.
1: Yeah, he's he's fake Austin. Yeah. Right. Elon Musk.
2: Although, I do remember for the first week of the year when, um, when the Longhorns were playing against Louisiana, I believe the Undertaker was on college game day and he was going, Hook him horns, he's a big fan. So, we can have the Undertaker and Stone Cold both if you really want to fuck shit up. They will not take any any shit from anybody.
0: I mean, the council of elders can always be expanded or can, you know, bring in consultants from time to time, but yeah, like I don't, I don't Colt think he's hanging that.
1: out. He's waiting for an invite. Colts on the list.
0: <laughs> yeah. He'll take, you know, it's a rotational thing. If VY drops off, Colt will, will step in there, but
1: yeah, like Willie Nelson's the 106. Yeah. Ricky At Williams point- is
0: there to accept Willie Nelson's spot weekly
2: meetings at the cheesecake factory in austin hosted by well, B-, B. young.
1: Obviously. Vince one. No, we got to go to Vince Young Steakhouse, bro. He opened his okay. own steakhouse.
0: Do they have do they have Budweiser Budweiser cans there? Cuz you have to you can't take Steve Steve Austin someplace unless there's a Budweiser can available. None of this like Corona bottles shit.
1: It's Texas. There's a drive-through liquor store right down the street. He can bring his own He's stone cold. It's fine.
0: This is good. I don't think we can. This is a very good council of elders.
1: Tom, are you familiar with the, with the drive through liquor store?
0: Pennsylvania has those. They have ones where you like drive your car into a garage. They shut the doors. It's really shady. And then they'll pack your car with like, yeah, but you, but you literally drive into a garage. Like you're going to Valvoline to have your oil changed. And then it they they're just like, strange. what do you want? They load you up with rolling rock and Yingling. Of course, are the only options because it's Pennsylvania. And then, um, you know, then they open it up and you drive out. So I don't know what it's like in other places.
1: Well, it's, it, out here, Arizona, Texas, there's there's like it's like McDonald's. Like literally, you just drive through the drive-through and you put your order in at the window and you get your your booze, and cigarettes whatever you need, you know? Uh, Yeah. It kind of threw me off the first time I was like driving up to ASU's campus. And like a block from campus is Jerry's drive through liquor where all the students just come through. And it's like, you don't even have to worry about fake IDs. Like it's literally just drive through. It's hilarious.
0: They just check your registration.
1: Uh, Look, if you can drive a car, then you're at least 16 and that's fine.
0: Yeah. They're like, well, you you're driving a you know ninety three Topaz, so your car's over twenty one, so that's good enough for us. Is there Center. a is there a chain of these? Like, is there a Cheesecake Factory equivalent, or are they all independent? Yeah. And which no, not which aware. of these will Herm Edwards manage when he's done with ASU? <laughs> well,
1: we'll, we're going to get Herm on the list, Dan. Don't worry, he's, he's oh, coming. Yeah.
2: There are people in Arizona calling for his job after giving up 28 in a row in the second half to Utah last week. By the way, a big article on AZ Central saying it was a pathetic coaching job. Utah 20 or Arizona State up 21 to seven in control of the game with the ball to start the second half, and they lose 35 21. Not the best halftime adjustments, Coach Herm. Zero. And and the real highlight of the game was after Utah scored a touchdown, Herm called a timeout between the touchdown and extra point, which I'm pretty sure I've never fucking seen in 30 years of watching football. Uh he just wanted to go you know, calm down everyone's emotions like it's an NBA game or something. Like don't use that timeout for a good reason. He's like timeout after that touchdown. We we gotta huddle and talk. Like that don't work like this. The <laughs> so. devil
0: made him do it.
2: Total disaster of a program. All right. Speaking of that, real quick one one thing: Uh, Washington, who's two and four, and their coach needs to go on the tarmac report next week. uh, Travels to Arizona this week, and if for some reason Arizona wins this game like uh, eight to six or some bullshit, then they should fire that loser on Monday. But just want to put that out there. Not that I think it'll happen.
0: There are there are too many coaches for the tarmac report and the coach's restaurant to handle this year. But Dan, I'm going to do something. Usually I, I assign you a coach in advance for the coach's restaurant, but I'm going to give you a choice for next week and we'll, we'll announce it right here. And then people can, you know, it'll be a tease for next week. First choice is Herm. Second choice is Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz. He might not be around long, so it's probably a, probably a good pick. Yeah, it's going to be
2: Manny Diaz next week. Can't wait. I can do it right now, but I'll I'll wait
0: for next week. Okay. So next week, Coach's Restaurant will be Manny Diaz, and uh, I'll come up with a a struggling program to come up with a council of elders for. I got a few ideas, but I got to think it through.
2: All right. Sounds good.
0: And then pretty soon, we won't even talk about football games. We'll just talk about coaching.
2: That's fine. We haven't talked about the X-Files that much this year, so we're we're almost there. Any week now, we'll be... I watched some X-Files last night, so I'm ready to go.
0: <laughs> I went to a twin peaks restaurant and I was very disappointed to see it had very little to do with science fiction TV programming. See, was, you know, I've never been so disappointed. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you, uh, Ryan for really bringing the heat on this program. Thank you, Dan. uh, Good night, everyone. We'll see you next week for a very exciting manny Diaz themed program. Take the point, 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 the point. Take the take the point. take the points, take the
1: take the point, 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 take the Take the point, take the point, take the point, (laughs) take the point.